What's up, guys? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash Tales from Tech Support. Another scorcher here today on the eastern shore of Maryland. Tried working outside for a little while and uh, felt like I just stepped out of a swamp. So anyway, did a little bit here, did a little bit there, and uh, now I'm going to stay in the AC and work on this for a little while before I do some inside chores, because I really don't want to sweat anymore today. Anyway, let's get on with the stories. Word Perfect Installation. This was a long time ago when I was a telephone tech support specialist. No on-site support. My go-to knowledge was about WordPerfect, DBase 3+, Novell, and some programming bits. Make files, Turbo C, MSC, etc. I was on the phone helping someone install WordPerfect on their PC. This was when PCs had 5.25 inch drives and a 20 meg hard disk, typically. WordPerfect came on a set of SSDD floppies. I'm walking her through the installation. It's been quite a while, late 80s, so recollection isn't perfect. Me. Okay, put in disk 1 and start the installation. Her. It's asking for disk 2. Me. That's good. Install disk 2 and keep going. Her. Now disk 3. Me. Good. Insert disk 3 now. Her. Disk 4. Me. Insert disk 4 and keep right on going. Her. Now disk 5. Me. Sounds good. Keep going. Her, uh, disk 5 won't fit into the drive. Me, puzzled, won't fit? Her, yeah, with the other four disks, there isn't room for the fifth disk. Oh my god. <laughs> Me, ah, remove the other disks and put in disk 5. You need to remove the disk before putting in the new disk. Ah, the joys of telephone support. <laughs> oh my god, she crammed them all in there at once. Okay, I have to admit, I didn't think... The five and a quarter floppy drives would hold more than maybe two if you jammed them in there. Uh, I had no idea that you could actually stack four on top of each other and get them in that slot. I'll bet you had to really work on that fourth one. And the funny part is it kept asking for discs. I'm wondering if she actually got them in the right order up and down so that it was actually reading two, three, and four. Uh, that would be amazing if she did. Amazingly lucky, that is. Mm. Your servant stinks like the dead. The doddering years of AOL. I may as well spend my excess of metaphors and illusions on you, dear reader, for the subject of today's story requires a surplus of creative reassurances as well. It is a tale as old as time, or at least nearly as old as ISO 8601. Imagine a teapot singing tenderly about it for additional color if you must, but ruefully, for this is no love story. My customer is a business consultant, a kingly presence and a prominent figure in his field. Having published several books, held innumerable seminars, and polished his methods to shine like a golden Olympic torch of excellence. Like many a tragic figure, he brought misery upon himself the day he hired that one untrustworthy servant. It was the 1990s, and at the time, of course, it was the right decision. Every professional had to have an electronic presence. How could he know that his would one day become his kryptonite, his polonium? Yet nothing I say will encourage him to dismiss this insolent, unfaithful squire, this callous psychophant, this AOL who has grown old and gray alongside my customer and has become the climbing vines to his edifice. My advice to my customer is respected in every other way, but if I tell him that bad guys will climb those same vines to breach the walls, it falls on deaf ears. Oh, I did try. Years ago when he got his identity stolen and suspicion fell upon his computer, my recommendation was Gmail, or indeed anyone who would put some effort into deflecting attacks. Nay, he would not send his evil vizier, who is by his side day and night, who would not bar a door to keep out a fly. 
and who to this day continues to pass the most ridiculous threats onto his increasingly gullible ears. Last month, the insult was described as something like, your subscription to McAfee is over. Surely your doom is imminent. The very soil you tread upon is teeming with viruses. I need not elaborate for this audience. The guardsmen at the mail server gate may as well have gone out for a beer and never returned. Yet the king, my customer, will appoint no one to close it again. Meanwhile, his worm tongue whispers nameless fears that feed upon his anxieties. This time, to his credit, my customer suspects the truth which is that he has no relationship with McAfee at all, and over the years he has come to the point where he will usually ask before acting upon such threats. I received his plaintiff forward, and advised to stand down and throw the message bearer out into the darkness. Perhaps you've met one of these, valorous in his or her own field, but troubled in heart about everything to do with computers, to a degree few have obtained. He is no idiot, surely at mere human weakness, the fear of tripping up in public, fear of failure, that drives far more of his decisions than it ought to. And who could fault him for it? Keynote has tied his shoelaces together in his clients' boardrooms. PowerPoint has withheld its favors at the worst possible times. Before his clients, he is confident in his authority, yet forever knows that his solemn proclamations may as well be delivered in a squeaky adolescent voice, for the distraction that some dongle will come loose or the audio stop working. He never quite manages to get the upper hand, although he has at least learned that objects have a Z order, so there is still hope in that department. Such things make the mighty secretly believe that the real power is not theirs to wield. So his relationship with the computer itself is one of deep distrust. Naturally, he turns to the comfort of familiarity, his old alliance with the AOL of his youth, the one whose very name once meant online. Ah, the promise of instant contact, global reach, well, that part remains, but now this same servant of old, who everyone knows has lost his fortunes long ago, is but a withered shadow of his former self. Today, bent double over his meager money pouch, he goes out into the street to beg a few pence here and there in exchange for gliding in and bending the ear of the lord of the manor and passing on important messages about travel and cosmetics. And if said lord is willing that his wizard should be at his right hand while this wretch AOL mutters at his left, who am I to deny my customer his lovely? For he pays his wizards well and on time. I have no idea what half of what I read means. <laughs> I sort of get the gist, I guess, but uh, I don't know. I think I'm just going to muddy it up more if I try to give my two cents on this. Uh, but I guess it's about people clinging onto their old ways and being freaked out about anything and everything and believing all the crap that comes in off your email and everything else or pop-ups and not that of your tech or people who are at least a little more tech savvy than you are. Uh, am I close? Next one. Maybe I'll try to read this one in a more normal voice. <laughs> I don't know. Calling for tech support from the company you stole a computer from, probably not the best idea. Hello all. This is a story that I remember today while talking with coworkers about some of the more interesting calls we've received. This whole thing happened about a year ago, so some of the conversation isn't super fresh in my mind, but it's such an odd situation that I remember enough of it to get by. The cast of this is very simple, thankfully. The thief, the person who either stole the computer or purchased a stolen computer. Me, your narrator who genuinely wondered what was going through this person's head. So our story begins on a particularly slow day at work. I'm going through the motions until I answer the call and the person sounds a little out of it. Me, thank you for calling, insert company name here. I'm Eon, can I have your employee ID? Thief, uh, I just need help getting into my computer. Me, no problem ma'am, I can help with that. Before we begin, I'll need your employee ID number. She proceeded to try and spin some tale about how she's new to the company and doesn't know her employee ID. 
which to her credit is fairly common. Though that credit is almost immediately taken away because most people with common sense know there are likely other ways to verify you are who you say you are. Me, I completely understand. Most new hires don't have that number committed to memory. Luckily I can search for you with your name, so can you provide me with your first and last name? I hear some sputtering while her, likely high or drunk, brain tries to come up with a name. Unfortunately for her, we only have a few female employees that work for the department, so there would be a very short list. She gives me a name and I look it up while asking her what the problem is. Thief. Yeah, so when I turn the computer on, I get a screen asking for a bitlock pin? I don't know what that is. Me. Understandable. In the box the computer came with, there should be a set of instructions that list that information off. Did your computer not come with that? Thief. I wasn't aware that was necessary, so I threw it away. Again, to her credit, this was more common than you'd know. She would have had no way of knowing that, but still. I knew she was starting to get impatient while I asked all the questions, so I confirmed the computer service tag, which surprisingly she gave me, and then thought I might as well just end the call. But how would I end the call? Just by hanging up? No, 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 that's too boring. I asked a simple question. Me. Alright, I found you in our system. That screen shouldn't be appearing. Can you confirm your address so we can ship you out a new computer? The second those words left my mouth, the call dropped so fast. I tried to call back to no avail. I was at least able to use the service tag to confirm it was one of our units, and I marked it as stolen and forwarded the information to the proper people. Also, if you're wondering how she got our support number, on the keyboard area of the laptop is a sticker with our help desk number attached. Drugs are bad, okay? So anyway, I'm pretty sure most people, well, maybe not. This might not be a drug thing. This just might be somebody who bought a stolen computer. Uh, there's different grades of thieves and lowlifes out there. Uh, usually the people that are just after the drugs just swipe a computer, a radio, a phone, whatever. They don't try to unlock it. They just try to dump it as quick as possible for a little bit of cash. They know they can't get top dollar because they don't know anything about it. They don't have any charger cords, manuals. Uh, they can't get into it. So they just try to dump it for, you know, 20 bucks, whatever they can get so that they can get their next fix. And then you got the customers of those people who uh, take it a step further. So... Unless they're identity thieves and then they're trying to get in. But most of those people have ways around things that don't usually require calling tech support, I don't think. Could be wrong. I'm not that smart when it comes to that type of stuff, but I've heard things. So, Computers can kill people. And an important PSA for those who provide IT services in industrial environments. First, a little background. Factories, oil refineries, trains, etc. are controlled by a branch of technology known as OT, Operational Technology which is separate from IT. OT computers are especially designed to perform simple, repetitive tasks with very little latency. Think tasks like apply train brakes when the emergency stop button is pressed, fill bottle with dish soap, start the conveyor for 0.5 seconds, stop the conveyor, fill the next bottle. The bulk of computers used in OT are programmable logic controllers, PLCs, and they are again very simple. Originally, these PLCs were designed for standalone networks with no connection to the outside world. As such, they weren't designed to work with IT tools like personal computers. This leads us to an issue we had at a place I work. Once a month, all the lines in this factory would mysteriously and suddenly have issues. Every single production line, packing line, etc. would all of a sudden shut down and stop working. Lines which were shut down would sometimes have a brief jolt of movement and then stop again like all the others. Aside from causing tens of thousands of dollars in product loss, this also posed a rather serious safety issue. If someone is performing maintenance when the machine moved unexpectedly, they would be hurt or even killed. Industrial equipment is no joke. Someone almost had their head hit by a robotic arm due to one of these incidents. 
Hours and hours of investigation went into this issue, both by the resources at the factory and vendors. Everyone was equally confused by the issue, but it kept going on for almost a full year. Until, by pure chance, there was a break in our case. Someone in the IT department happened to notice that these issues with the machines were occurring at the same time they ran their monthly network scans via Landsweeper. And therein lies the issue. As I mentioned earlier, industrial equipment does not play nice with IT equipment. When Landsweeper interrogates devices on the network, it sends out packets that PLCs don't understand. But because PLCs are so simple, the response to these unexpected packets is to seize up and stop working. In some cases, it even causes unexpected movement on otherwise disabled production lines. It was not supposed to be touching these networks, but some manager or another decided, but there are networks over there, we need to maintain them too. IT has since had their access to industrial networks cut off, and there have been no further issues since. The PSA I'd like to put out to anyone who works in IT in a similar environment is to be more engaged with your manufacturing team. If you're doing anything that even has the potential to affect the network, send out an email and say, hey, I'm running site-wide network scans today, keep an eye out for any unexpected behavior. If anyone had done that, this issue would have been caught right away and saved millions of dollars. And remember that your IT tools do not play nice with OT tools. Unless your corporation has explicitly asked you to manage them, industrial networks likely are not something you should be scanning or touching. You could kill someone. So I don't know anything about the difference between IT tools and OT tools except what I just learned here in this story. And I get the concept of it. So for me, the only way I can kind of equate that story to my pea brain is when you're working on a really big complicated construction site like building you know a major hotel that takes up a whole city block uh, with retail stores and living quarters and uh, laundry facilities and cooking facilities and things like that you have backup power generators fire suppression systems to worry about everything you got one guy who is a general laborer He's in charge of sweeping, taking out trash, uh, securing railings that come loose. Generally, you point and say, you do. Uh, so they are the OT computers on the job site. They do simple tasks, and it's usually when they're instructed to do it. Most of them don't have, well, some of them have some autonomy. Autonomy? Autonomy. Words are hard. Some of them have autonomy, but for the most part, they kind of have to be led through the day because things change minute by minute. Uh, and then you got some supervisor from some other contractor coming in and giving this guy a laundry list of things to do. And either he misses a bunch of stuff or he gets into a job that he has no business being in, touching tools or materials that he has no business touching, or he gets really confused and just stops altogether. So tell me how close I am on that, because I think that's what I'm getting out of this story, uh, on the human side of it anyway. When users forget what physical location means, this is a tale from when I worked as a subcontractor to an IT company that worked up in the Great White North, hitherto the referenced as the land of Moose and Grizzly. Long story short, we worked for Company B to provide Tier 1 support to Company A. Since we were Tier 1 only, we were remote, like opposite side of the continent remote, and literally everyone knew this, or so we thought. Now I know every desk, office, and department has one of those people. You know the ones. People who should be banned from computers. People who don't understand what IT even is. People who would think, have you tried restarting it, is a joke and not a legit suggestion, etc. Well, this company had at least three problem children, as we called them, but one in particular was a constant thorn in the side of IT, to the point that the IT manager of Company A told us directly to contact them whenever we got another nonsensical request from this individual. This tale is of two requests we get on... This tale is of two requests we got in particular, though I could write a novel of the insanity this person tried to get us to do that wasn't the job of IT. Tale number one, 
can you fix the conference room real quick? We're hanging out, sifting through emails and answering tickets when a new email rolls in. Check the name and a groan echoes through the desk. We were five people, only four of which were in the building. I grab the email, nothing better to do, and start laughing as I read it. Please come to the conference room of the Land of Moose and Grizzlies office and set it up for a meeting in two hours. Our team lead caught the email sender's name and was looking at it as well because 90% of the time he has to send an email to the parent company's IT manager about the nonsense. Well, TL starts laughing as well as asking if I'm going out there if I pick up a pet moose along the way. A chuckle was had and we sent an email to the IT manager going, yeah, we physically can't do that. You guys may want to remind him that we're remote. To which we get the perfect reply email saying, I've told him repeatedly to tell me when the conference rooms aren't set up. What does he think people in the southern U.S. can do? Tale number two. The coffee maker is IT related, right? As we're working away, a new email comes in from our favorite customer. This time, however, it's an email that was printed out and kept as a trophy. The email read, can one of you fix the coffee maker in Land of Moose and Grizzly's office break room? It's not working right. This needs fixed ASAP. We all saw it and started laughing hysterically. All right, who's buying the plane ticket? It's got to be done ASAP. That makes it a P1 ticket. And joking that, why buy a ticket? It's just a short 4,000-ish mile drive. We send it to the IT manager, as always, to which they reply, how's the coffee maker that important? And how is it an IT issue when he works for facilities? So I guess fixing coffee makers remotely across the country is considered the job responsibilities of Tier 1 support staff. And so is using RDP to set up conference room tables. I don't think the IT manager got paid enough to deal with this person, but they were somehow high enough up the ladder to avoid being fired. Well, when you're in the land of moose and grizzlies, there may not be a really wide pool of people to select from. And even if you reach down into the lower 48, sometimes you may have a very wide pool of people who are qualified, but may not want to live in the land of moose and grizzlies. I, I've found that with Northern Maine, where a lot of my family's from, uh, the only real industries they had for so long were logging, the lumber industries, plywood mills, uh, potatoes, lots of potatoes, some kind of farming, things like that. Uh, and then you had government jobs working for the city, the county, the state, post office. And then the fill-in for a lot of farmers was truck driving during the winters. And some of them went full-time truck driving and leased out their farmland for somebody else to farm and they just collected the rent. It got to the point where people didn't want to move up there that were qualified to do certain jobs and the people that were there were leaving in droves because, you know, unless you're doing some kind of sport like hunting, snowmobiling, off-roading in the summer, zipline adventures, you know, river fly fishing tours, whatever, uh, the tourist industry, sorry, Duh. unless you're in that type of industry, hospitality and tourism, it, it just kind of sucked. Summers are hot. The deer flies will carry you off like the magic monkeys from the Wizard of Oz. Uh, and in the winter, what are you going to do in four feet of snow other than hunt and try to stay warm? Got to make a living somehow, right? Anyway, I appreciate you guys hanging out with me today. And if you enjoyed the video or podcast or whatever, do me a favor. Show some sort of sign that you're here. You like the video. Thumbs up, comments, you know the deal. All right, until the next one, guys. We'll see you.